Good morning. Um, man, I'm so excited. I love our church. I love, um, I love the way that we get to come together and hear, we worship together. We hear stories about what God's doing. And it comes together with all the, the things that uh, I have been dealing with, like just processing over the last week as I'm putting together this talk. And it's just so awesome to see God show up and do, do the things the way that he does, the way that he knits our, our lives together as a community of faith. It's awesome. And so let me pray and we'll, we'll, we'll jump right in. God, we do. We, we thank you that, um, that you love us and that you have called us to be together. And I pray that you would use this time um, to help us, to encourage us, that you would use your word to change us, that we would be transformed, that we would be open to your spirit, that we would be open to the things that you're doing. And Lord, I pray for clarity. I pray that for direction, that you would um, just guide this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been going through the uh, Chronicles of Narnia with my, with my oldest um, Tom, now, I use Tommy in, in a lot of illustrations, and I need, to, I need to just say this. I have three kids, okay? I love them all, I promise, okay? Tommy's just the oldest, so, you know, it seems like you experience things, like God speaks to you through your children, and a lot of times it's the, the first time which, with your first kid, you know? And he's speaking to me, and uh, we're going through the Chronicles of Narnia, and we just got to the last battle, uh, which is, you know, the, kind of the last book, um, the last story in Narnia. And um, what happens is it's, it's, it's getting towards the end. And now Tommy's got a hard time. He's been, been having a hard time sleeping, you know, where he'll, he'll wake up and he'll get spooked. And, you know, you'll hear the, the little running feet coming down the hallway. And so I'm a little, I'm a little scared. Like I should have known because the cover of the book like has a unicorn with like blood on his horn, you know? So like, I should have known going into it, this is probably not going to go well. But we get to the, to the end, and so far, so good. We get to the end, and there's this battle that's taking place. And, uh, I mean, people are dying, and the unicorns got blood, and, and there's this monster, Tosh, right? And we've got a picture. We've got a picture. Just, I don't want anybody to get scared. There's the picture, right, of Tosh, this, this, this monster who's kind of wreaking havoc in the midst of this battle, and... Um, you know, I flip the page and I see it and I'm like, it might not look scary to us, but for a six-year-old, I'm like, this is not going to go well, right? This monster wreaking havoc and the main characters get thrown kind of in front of him, all right? They get thrown down in front of him and the, the language uh, that C.S. Lewis, you know, the writer uses is, is really powerful because he's talking about this is the last battle and the last king of Narnia. And they get thrown down in front of this monster and, and, and they look up and you think, this is it. This is the end. This is the end of Narnia. This is the end of the story. This thing is just going to rip them apart and it's the end. And then they hear from behind them, they hear uh, the voice, a voice say, be gone. Be gone. And Tasha's gone. And all of a sudden everything's quiet and the battle is over. It, 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 at a voice, and, and I'm thinking that it's going to be Aslan, the main, the main character, the, the Christ-like figure. I'm thinking that that's who it's going to be. But instead, the characters turn around, and you know who spoke the word? It was children from our world. They turn around, and there's kings and queens, children with crowns. In the, in the language of, of C.S. Lewis, they were the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. And they had been given authority to be kings and queens. And they spoke the word, be gone. And the monster was gone and the battle was over. And I got to have this great conversation with my son about, well, what happened? And he's like, well, the, you know, 
the king said, be gone, and, and he had to leave. It's like, yeah, he had authority. He was a king. How did he, how did he get to be a king? And my son's like, well, he earned it because he killed a, a wolf. I'm like, no, because if you know the story in the, the Chronicles of Narnia, he was a king because he was the son of Adam. They were queens because they were daughters of Eve. The simple fact that they were human, the simple fact that they were human made them kings and queens to rule and to reign. And Tommy was, you know, like beginning to see for the first time what it meant to be human. And I told him, do you know you're a son of Adam? Do you know that you are meant to rule, that you have been given dominion and authority? Not over mommy and daddy. But I, you know, it was just this great picture and C.S. Lewis illustrates it so well in the Chronicles of Narnia, this, this deep, this deep truth that he would say elsewhere in um, an essay called The Weight of Glory. He says, you have never talked to a mere mortal. Any person that you've ever talked to, you've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilization, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life compared to ours is the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, who we work with, who we marry, who we snub, who we exploit. We are surrounded by immortals because the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve are meant to be immortal and they're meant to reign. And that's what we're going to look at this morning is where does that come from? Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over or have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, both. He created male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We have been created in the image of God. We have been created in the image of God and we have been given authority to take dominion, to rule over the earth. And you go and you read and it's like, okay, I wanted to start with what does it mean to be the image of God? Like, what, is it, what does the language even mean? And you go and you read what theologians say. And the bottom line is, don't know. We can spend our lives trying to get to the depths of what it means that we are image bearers. All of us. I don't care. I care where you stand in your relationship with Christ. I want you to know the, the, the one who can change your life and transform you. But even if you don't know Jesus and you've never placed your faith in him, you are an image bearer of God. What does that mean? It's more than just the fact that we can think, that we can reason. It's more than just that we have some moral qualities. You're not the product of your emotions. You're not the product of your education. You're not the product of, of your environment. You are the image of God. The person that you see in the mirror, this is hard for some of us to to even conceive, the person that you see in the mirror is the image of God and we bear the thumbprint of God. Mark Driscoll would talk about there are communicable attributes, there are attributes of God that he he can pass on to us, that he has instilled in us what those attributes are and how they will play out. We can 
talk and debate for the rest of our lives to figure out how they come out. But certainly there are things like spirit, that we are spirit, that, we are, that there's holiness, love, goodness, truth, justice, righteousness, mercy, beauty. These are all attributes of God made available to us as image bearers. And we go back and forth. And this is really what I want to talk about today is we go back and forth between seeing ourselves. Some of us see ourselves as, as scum. We can't fathom that we're image bearers. Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what's been done to me. I'm scum. And God wants to tell you this morning, you're an image bearer. You can't lose that. That's the deepest part of who you are. Strip away everything else and you're an image bearer. And some of us, I'm awesome. (laughs) Some of us have maybe an overinflated view of uh, image of God. I am God. I'm in control, baby. I've got this thing down. And so that's really what, what this scripture is going to speak to us this morning about is really getting that, that perspective. And the thing is, we look to the scripture to define it because we look for God to tell us how he's created us. And we look for our faith to, to, to deal with this struggle. And we have to address the counter mess messages that we receive. The messages that would tell us something different than what we would read in the Bible or that God would tell us. And the world, the world will try to evaluate you based on anything else. The world will try to evaluate you based on your, your income or your possessions or whether you're married or whether you're not married or whether you have kids or whether you don't have kids and where you live, how big is your house, anything but defining you by the fact that you are the image bearer of God. And the world will say that you're ooze. Ooze, that's sounding weird. That you're ooze, that you're, that you're something. You're the result of random chance. You're an accident. A good accident, but you're an accident. That's what the world will try to tell you when you have atheists that will speak out of both sides of their mouth. They'll say things like, we're an ooze that's collected by chance, but at the same time that we're the masters of our own fate. And we're the captains of our soul. And the message is, is lost in that. One person I read said that we're too sophisticated for God. We're too sophisticated for God. The world will come at you and try to discount it and try to change the way that we look at ourselves. The world will go to these extremes of either you're nothing or you're God. But the Christian faith says that we're neither nothing nor are we God. But we're image bearers. We're image bearers made from dust. You are the likeness of the creator of the universe. And for that reason, you're valuable. And we wonder, you know, we look, why do people fall into addiction? Why do people give themselves away sexually? Suicide, why, do they, why, why would somebody throw their life away? Is it because their view of themselves is too high? Are they thinking too highly of themselves? This morning, some of us need to hear, you need to think of yourself more highly than you do. You need to think of yourself more highly than you do. That's, that's why people fall into this. That's why they see them. If I, if I see myself as a slave of, uh, of addiction, if I see myself as a junkie, if I see myself as, as a less than, if I see myself a, a, as a grumpy person, I will be a grumpy person. If I see myself as a bad parent, if I see myself as worthless or trash, that, that's not the deepest part of who you are. The world may tell you that, but that's not true. 
that's the counter message is not true. In the days of, of Moses, when, when this scripture was written, when Moses, when God led Moses to write this down, they would have immediately thought when they heard the image of God, they would have thought of the Pharaoh because the Pharaoh would stand up in front of his people and say, I am the Pharaoh, I am the image of God. Why? Because I'm the Pharaoh. And think of it, Moses. Moses is writing, we are all the image of God. You, you, you former slaves, you golden calf worshiping nut jobs. You, you are the image bearers of God. Yeah, the Pharaoh is, but so are you. That's, that's radical. That is radical. And I want you to hear that this morning, especially if you know, you, you're here, you're here because there's girls here. If you're not a Christian, you're just looking for a lady. That's fine. That's cool. I understand. I'm with you. Not I'm spirit. I'm with you. I'm, I'm married. I'm just saying, I'm just saying you're here looking for a guy or a girl. Totally cool. I'm not, you're not ready to, to put your faith in Christ. I want you to know that you are an image bearer of God, regardless, regardless of where you fall, regardless of, of wh- where you've put your faith or how you live your life right now. You might not be living out that truth. You might not see yourself that way, but that's, that's the deepest part of who you are. And then so we go, well, we're in church, right? We're in church. So, you know, oh, those silly, those silly non-Christians, ha, ha, ha. And they believe all this crazy stuff about themselves. Those silly non-Christians and their rock and roll music and their cut-off jeans, I don't know. <laughs> Those silly non-Christians, and they think these things, but we, as the church, we don't fall into that, do we? No, 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 no. We have our own religious language to communicate the exact same thing. Instead of saying that you're mud, what do we, how do we define people? The church, the church that I got saved in, love the church. I'm not, I'm not making fun of them, but I'm saying, if you were to go around in that church, you would say, hey, what does it mean to be a human? What does it mean to be a person? Sinner. Sinner. That would be the first thing that would pop into their mind. Sinner. Many of us, that's the first thing that we think of. What does it mean to be human? Sinner. Because in our church, we have, we have a counter message to this as well. And, th- and that we communicate that, oh man, I'm just, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm just a beggar, man. Just a beggar. Found the food, trying to show everybody else what the food is. Just a beggar. And we think that somehow that makes us more holy. That if we, can, if we can bury ourselves, if we can devalue ourselves, that somehow that, that lifts up God. When the scripture is telling us, you are an image bearer of God. Try that next time. Try that. Somebody say, hey, what do you do? I'm an image bearer, image bearer of God, and uh, take dominion over the world. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. What do you do? Oh, you work at Target. Okay, all right. You know, you know what I mean? Like, if... If this was our go-to, if this was our default belief about ourselves, that would change. Many of us would walk out this morning with our head held a little higher. Many of us, we, we, would, we would engage, we would look people in the eye, and we would believe something that's true about ourselves that maybe we haven't believed before. You are an image bearer of God. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, We are all sinners, but that has been added to our identity. It's not the deepest part of who we are. God wasn't surprised. He's like, he didn't put us together and go, oh, look at that sinner I made. Look at that wonderful sinner. No, 
There was this deep personal act. You know, he spoke the rest of existence into place. He spoke the existence of everything else except for us. Take a look at Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. It's this personal, loving act of creation that doesn't end with him going, oops, sinner, didn't expect that. No. And he knew. But he looked at it and he said, this is very good. This is very good. Things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. But this is very good. The deepest part of who you are, the deepest part of, of, of who you are is an image bearer, capable of immense goodness, capable of immense greatness, also capable of some badness, which we've experienced. But the deepest part of who we are is that we're image bearers. And when we carry ourselves like we're worthless, Within the church, if we carry ourselves like we're worthless, we're not making God look better. We're devaluing the cross. We're devaluing Jesus. Do you think that he threw his life away? Do you think that the price that he paid was more than what it was valued at? Do you think he got ripped off? Christ didn't throw his life away. We have value. We have value to God. We are worth something to God. Jesus tells the story of a lost sheep, of a lost coin, of a lost son. You don't seek and save something that's not of value. We have value to God. God sent his son to redeem what was lost. We're not worthless. It's remarkable the value that we carry. And some of us, we need to think more highly of ourselves this morning. And, and you know what? You might, have, you might say, well, I already, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have said sinner first, but yeah, image bearer. Yeah, okay, cool. I knew that. It needs to be more than just what we think. It needs to change us. This is a, this is a spiritual truth. This is something that should transform us, that should change us. Maybe you have believed it, but how has it been reflected in you? Can you look and see, have you ever opened yourself up to what, God, what do you have for me as an image bearer? How, how can I do that? And I have to say this in light of the testimonies that we had. Let's take a look. I'm just going to put these two verses up. 2 Corinthians 3.18 and Colossians 3.10. We as the church need to understand even more, you know, just looking at Genesis, we're image bearers of God. Awesome. Great reality. But you know what? In the church, what's happened? We marred the image, right? As sinners, we marred the image that we were originally created at. We, we, we messed it up to some degree. We didn't lose it. We're still image bearers. But Jesus comes. Paul would talk about him as a, like a second Adam because when he comes, he restores that which we messed up. He restores the image to perfection. And he begins a process of us becoming more and more in the likeness of God, more and more. So we will begin with ever increasing glory to reflect our creator. This is incredible that this, this authority that we were created with, that we, that we get it back. We as sinners, we may, have, we may have given it up. We may have abdicated it. We might've given it to Tosh. But now we say, be gone. And that's what Paul is talking about in Colossians. In Colossians, we, we talked about a couple weeks ago where he said, clothe yourself in, in righteousness. Why do you give yourself over to these other things? Why do you listen to Tosh? Why do you fall at his feet? 
You are a king. You are a queen. You've been restored in Christ. Stand up with all the authority that God has given you. God has given you. Stand up with that authority. Tosh, be gone. Sin in my life. You don't rule over me. Christ has set me free. Christ has restored me. And you know what? Every day I'm becoming more and more like the image that I bear. We are the image of God and we should see ourselves that way and we should strive to be it more and more. Some of us need to think more highly of ourselves than we do. Now, some of us need to think less highly of ourselves than we do, right? It's important. Let's go back to that Genesis 2 verse. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. There's some, we know people, if not yourself, that think they're gods, <laughs> Or maybe, you know, that's the thing is if you think too much about yourself, you probably don't think you think too much about yourself, right? Ask the person next to you. I don't know. Um, But when we act in a way like the world revolves around us, when we act in a way that the world revolves around our children or revolves around whatever the thing is that, 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 that you kind of control, when we live in this illusion that somehow we're the gods, we're the masters of the things around us, that we can make things happen, God reminds us that he chose dust. He chose dust from the ground to form us. You know, in the images that of the day, if I'm, if I'm the Pharaoh, if I'm the king, what they would do is they would take their image and they would spread their image everywhere. That's why they put on coins and statues and everywhere. They'd spread their image everywhere. Why? Because it was representative of the kingdom, their rulership, their reign was represented by the images that would bear the leader. And so they would spread their image around and the best thing they could do is put their image on something of value. That's why they'd put on currency. Because even if I don't value the image, at least I'm gonna value the thing that the image is on. But God doesn't give us that. God says, no, I'm gonna make you from the dust of the ground. Why? Because all the value that you have has been given to you. The value that we have as image bearers, is a result of what God has given us by grace. It's nothing that we can brag about that we've done for ourselves. God has given it to us. We are image bearers made from dust. Everything good comes from him. That's a lesson for us, all of us in humility. But it's also an affirmation that we're not just a piece of trash. We're image bearers formed from dust. We have a true understanding of ourselves only when we recognize that we are humble images of clay. And all of us should think more highly of ourselves or more highly of others. Think about this. If, if, if I'm an image bearer and the people around me are image bearers, certainly I need, I need to get to some thinking of myself that is accurate. You know, humility isn't thinking of yourself, uh, you know, low. A lot of, you know, that's what humility, oh, I just need to think like, no. Humility is accurate thinking of yourself. Humility is recognizing your own limitations. Humility is recognizing that I'm formed from dust. But it's also seeing the value in others, seeing that other people, we need to see them as image bearers, the people around us, just like like C.S. Lewis was saying, those people that we interact with at work, those people that, we, that we're with day in and day out, the people that annoy us, the people that are, that are our enemies, the people who hurt us, the worst enemy we can think of in our lives, the person, it could have been somebody who did great evil in our life is still an image bearer. That person who you disagree with 
even if they're wrong, <laughs> which we like to think, they're still an image bearer. You know, when putting this talk together, I was, um, uh, I was looking for a quote from, from an atheist. And uh, Christopher Hitchens is my favorite atheist, if you can have a favorite atheist. Christopher Hitchens is a, is a well-known um, atheist. He wrote a book called God is Not Great. Religion poisons everything. Okay, this is like, I mean, he's kind of a funny guy, you know, like he loves to debate. And so there's a lot of debates with Christopher Hitchens um, out there. He was actually appointed by the Vatican to be the devil's advocate when Mother Teresa was up for sainthood. So he got to represent the devil and why Mother Teresa shouldn't be made a saint, you know, and, and he takes his role very seriously. And so he has been, he has been someone who pokes at the church uh, for a long time. And so, and I, I enjoy, I enjoy his humor and I enjoy his approach as an atheist. And, and many times you go and you look so that we can respond. How do we respond to somebody, uh, who, who has such an opposing view of ourselves? So anyways, all that to say, I went and I looked up Christopher Hitchens and I was looking for a quote and come to find out he's dying of cancer. I had no idea. And, um, he just wrote an article in Vanity Fair and he was being interviewed by Anderson Cooper. And so I get, I get sucked into this interview where um, Anderson Cooper's kind of egging him on, like, hey, how are those Christians responding? How are those Christians responding to the fact that you're dying of cancer? Like, literally, his hair, he's doing, going through chemo, he's got no hair. And um, so Anderson's like, yeah, what, what about those Christians? You know, are they, are, they, are they cheering for your death? And he said, yeah, you know, some of them are. But the great majority of them are praying for me. The great majority of them are praying for me. And then he says, September 20th is Pray for Hitchens Day. This atheist is advertising his own day of prayer. I'm not saying he's a Christian. I'm not saying that he's, he's, having a, he's struggling with it. But you know what? The love of God is, is, is penetrating him. And he talks about how he's, he's touched by this, that this great enemy of the church, there's prayer groups forming for him, praying not just that he would find Jesus, praying that he would be healed, praying that he, and he knows this. So I did what any good Christian would do. I went and I joined the Facebook group. <laughs> Pray for Hitchens. And there's people in this group and they're like, and they're like, you Christians, you, you guys are trying to manipulate him. You're, you, you know, you're, you're full of it. You're whatever. Da, da, da. Then there's going off some of them, not all of them. And so I go and I, and I posted, I'm like, I'm praying for him because he's an image bearer because no matter where he stands, he might be my enemy. I might disagree with him on everything that he says, but he is an image bearer of God. And even in his, even in his poking at the church, he has pushed us to respond to the, to the, to the thinking of the day. And he, I'm going to pray for him. And I'm going to pray that he gets healed. And I'm going to pray that it's in a way that's so miraculous that even Hitchens can't argue with God. That's, man, when we see everyone around us as image bearers, it changes us. It transforms us. We begin to represent the kingdom of God, the way that God intended, the way that we see Jesus as the second Adam showing us the way that we live our lives. It should change us. It should affect us. Some of us today were thinking, you came in thinking, 
I'm worthless. The challenge, the challenge for you is to think of yourself more highly, to grasp the value, the dignity, the nobility, the nobility that God has given you as a king, as a queen. One of the testimonies, Mac was talking about the, the armies of angels. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna lead those armies. That's what the scriptures say, that we as mankind will be kings and queens and we will rule over the angels. Those armies will be led by humans because God, not because you earned it, but because God has made you a son of Adam, a daughter of Eve. Some of us today think we've got it all together. We think we're in control. We think we're a self-made person. The challenge this morning is to think of ourselves as image bearers made from dust. That without the image of God, we're dust. God is the agent of everything good. And all of us this morning, all of us this morning have struggled with how we view others around us. If we're honest, we've struggled with the people that we disagree with, with the people that have hurt us. No matter how wrong, no matter how evil, no matter what they've done, they're image bearers of God. And we struggle with that. The challenge to see them that way, to love them, to pray for them. And this isn't something that we can just muster up. Oh, okay, got it, check. I can do that. Like we can do it on our own. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need prayer. That's why we need to be dependent on God. That's why we need to stay connected to the community of faith. So let's pray right now that God would do that. Let's pray that God would make this truth for us and then he would change us. Lord, we pray right now. We pray that you would send your spirit, that we know he's here. We just want him to show up in a way that that we release ourselves to him, that he would have reign over us, that your kingdom would rule over us. Help us to see ourselves the way that you see us. Help us to see ourselves as formed images made from the dust of, of the earth. And I pray that you would break lies that have been spoken over people here today, that they are worthless that they are less than. Break those lies. Break the lie that we can do it on our own. For those of us who think that we're good enough, think that we've got it all together, Lord, I pray that you would free us from that. Thank you for creating us in the way that you did. Thank you for your word. Thank you for redeeming us. Help us to put on that new self that you've created for us in Christ and to be renewed. In Jesus' name, amen.